0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. In motion. That is our theme for the month. We're about faith in motion. What you just saw was Hal Donaldson, who is the founder, and executive director of Convoy of Hope, who I consider a dear friend. And uh, somebody with the highest of integrity and a great leader. In this uh, year, we, we're talking about how to be fully alive in Christ. And, and our theme verse for the whole year, this from September to August next year, is from John 10.10, 10, where Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I come that they might have life, life in all its fullness, so Jesus wants you to have life to the full, other, verses say, other versions say life abundantly, or a rich and satisfying life, or a life better than you ever dreamed. Two weeks ago, if you were here, you remember Brian Burr, who is one of our missionary partners who serves with Convoy of Hope in Kenya. And Brian talked about when he was 17 years old, he resisted God's call on his life, and, and yet he finally said yes to God, and now at this stage of his life in his 50s, he's looking back and he's saying, man, if I would have not said yes to God, I would have missed out on the greatest adventure, the greatest experiences that I could ever have. And that's what happens when we give our lives fully to God. He calls us to live beyond what we think we are capable of living, only to look back and say, wow, look what God did through this life that he gave me. And that's what Jesus talked about when he said to have life to the full. And I just wonder how many of us, myself included, are missing out on that abundant, rich, that full life that God has for us because because we can't say yes to God, because we're afraid of what God might, might do if we say yes to him. But Jesus wants us to be fully alive. There are seven signs of a person who's alive or of a living organism. The first one is motion. Is it moving? Is it moving? Other ones include respiration, sensitivity, growth, reproduction, excretion, and nutrition. But all of these are active in a living organism. And it's interesting, the first one is is motion. And that's why we're talking about a full life, a faith that is alive is a faith that is in motion. I don't know if you saw in the news a few weeks ago in Arkansas, there was a hunter that was out uh, muzzle with his muzzle loader gun hunting, and he shot a deer. Have you ever gone deer hunting? You shoot a deer, it lays down, right? Well, sometimes, in rare instances, it's stunned and it's not dead. So he, as the deer was laying there, was making plans with his nephew to dress the deer in the woods and, and bring it back and So he goes up to the deer, and all of a sudden, the deer, he thought it was dead, jumps up and gores the man. By the time the nephew got there, and they got the paramedics there, he was still breathing and talking, was able to call his wife, but by the time they got him to the hospital, he died. It's a tragic story of a person who thought something was dead, but it was alive. Well... How tragic is the story of a believer who thinks they're alive, but they're really dead spiritually? The text for today comes from James chapter 2. And it says, as a lifeless body is dead, so faith without actions is dead. Will you pray with me real real quickly? Lord... I thank you that everybody in this place right now is living and breathing and in motion physically. And I hope that will continue for a long time to come. But I pray for myself and anyone here in this place who needs to come alive spiritually, that their faith needs to come alive God, as we look at your word today, I pray that your Holy Spirit will apply it to each of our lives individually and forgive us and, 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 and keep us from pointing fingers at others because, Lord, we just want to open our hearts to what your spirit wants to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the text comes from James chapter 2. If you have the Riverside Church app, you're welcome to follow along in there with notes. We'll have the scriptures up here for you. Um, but, but it begins in verse 14. James, the brother of Jesus, is writing now to, to believers that were scattered after the persecution in Jerusalem. James was the leader of the church after Jesus ascended into heaven in Jerusalem. But he's writing to these, these Jewish believers who, <clears throat> because of the, 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 the persecution that came down on them, were spread throughout the region. And he writes them and he says, my brothers and sisters, if people say they have faith, but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. Can faith like that save them? A brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. And if you say to that person, God be with you, I hope you stay warm and get plenty of eat, plenty to eat, but but you do not give what that person needs, your words are worth nothing. In the same way, faith by itself that does nothing is dead. Hal Donaldson, who you just saw on that video, is the founder of Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope had its birth in personal tragedy that Hal and his family suffered when he was a young boy. Some of you have heard him tell this story, and I tell it every year, but for those of you that are new, please I 'd love you to hear this. When he was about 12 years old, he was the oldest of four kids. His parents went out to a meeting that night. His dad was a pastor of a little church in Northern California, and on the way to their board meeting, a drunk driver hit them and killed his father, and uh, his mother broke almost every bone in her body, was laid up in a hospital for months. They didn't have insurance. They didn't have all that a lot of people will have to be able to survive in that situation, And so they were desperate and they really depended upon the compassion of their church family and of neighbors. And his father's best friend, Bill Davis, who was not the very wealthy man himself, lived in a mobile home with his two kids, invited the four Donaldson kids to come and stay with them that night, thinking it would just be a couple nights. It ended up being months that they stayed with the Davises in their little single trailer, not a double-wide, a single trailer, mobile home. Hal grew up, as you can imagine, in his teenage years with a deep sense of hurt and anger, dealing with stark poverty, feelings of inferiority, processing through that in school. He goes to college, majors in, in journalism, and he becomes a writer And he gets a job in a newspaper and then magazines. And he's starting to write articles. And some of these articles, you know, he's writing stories about the rich and famous. And then he gets an opportunity to go to Calcutta, India, where uh, a missionary family, Mark and Holda Buntain, years ago went there to serve, to start a church, ending up seeing the poverty among the people in Calcutta. They ended up starting a hospital and that hospital still stands there today. So he was given the assignment to go to Calcutta and interview Mark and Holda Buntain. And when he got there, Mark and holda said, Would you like to meet Mother Teresa? Because they've done work with Mother Teresa. So who doesn't want to have an opportunity to interview Mother Teresa? So so Hal sits down with Mother Teresa and she graciously gives him some time and he interviews her and he asks her some questions and and is beginning to write, and toward the end of their talk, as the time came to a close, he writes, she leaned forward, and she says to him, young man, can I ask you, what do you do to help the poor? And he said, I couldn't lie to Mother Teresa. Um, So he glanced away, and he said, "I'm, I'm really not doing anything. And he said, she could have condemned him or chastised him, but instead she smiled at him and just said, everyone can do something. It was after that that he came back and that question just nagged at him and he thought about what can I do, what can I do? And he went back to his home in Northern California and with his brothers uh, loaded up a pickup truck and just took groceries down to a very uh, depressed area of town and uh, working with a local church just started showing compassion and giving out tangible things, tangible food and staples like a food bank would give to people. That was the beginning of Convoy of Hope, and it just spread from there, and it caught on. The first says, uh, and and as I said earlier, the the rest is history. Uh, Today, as I said, 200,000 children are receiving nutritious meals while getting an education at Christian school in some of the harshest areas of the world. Verse 14 says, people say they have faith. If they say they have faith, but they do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. So here's the thing. Faith talk minus a faith walk is faithless. Faith talk Minds of faith walk is faithless or worthless. So James, again, writing to these persecuted believers who were dispersed, he goes on to buttress his point about how real faith includes real actions. And he goes on and he says, someone might say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without doing anything, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God, good, but even the demons believe that. And they tremble with fear. So the thing there is that the proof of right belief isn't being able to pass a theology exam. The proof of right belief is right behavior. Because even the demons could pass the theology exam. Right belief includes right behavior. Right belief without right behavior is useless. In other words... If I believe that I eat healthy and I go to the gym and exercise, that I'm going to get in shape, well, that's good right belief, right? But if I don't eat right and I don't go to the gym, that belief is useless. I'm not going to get in shape because I might even put on nice athletic clothes, You know, I might look like I'm in shape. I may even go to the gym and hang around with people that are working out. And people might think, oh, man, he's an athlete. He's at the gym. But if I don't get on the treadmill or I don't lift weights or I don't do any exercise, I'm still going to be the guy that's out of shape that I am today. I believe it but I'm not behaving it. And I think that's where a lot of believers have this disconnect. We believe the right things, but are we behaving the right way? Right beliefs without right behavior is useless. Simply having the right theology and even going to church and even looking good does not make me a follower of Jesus. I'm an admirer of Jesus. I'm a fan of Jesus. But that doesn't make me a follower of Jesus. You see, it's my sense that most Christians, if at least not many Christians I'll go that far believe that Jesus' primary reason for coming was to make it possible for us to get to heaven when we die. But that's the primary reason He came, just to punch our ticket to get to heaven, right? So we come to church, we confess our faults, we pray for forgiveness, we may donate, we may may donate to the church or worthy causes, just enough to assuage our guilty conscience and do enough so that we can assure that we have a place in eternity. John Ortberg calls this the gospel of minimum entry requirements. We do the very minimum we need to be able to feel like we're going to go to heaven, and Jesus did this for us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. But listen to me. What if punching your ticket to heaven is not Jesus' primary mission? What if Jesus' primary mission was more about bringing more of heaven down to earth than getting us earthlings to heaven? What if the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven that Jesus preached about and proclaimed about is the vision that Jesus paints so that his followers would embody that and enact that By the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever they go, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What if the kingdom of heaven that Jesus talked about was a better picture of what earth is going to be like when God's believers truly believe and behave like Jesus? What if the gospel, the good news, is, is yes, it's that, yeah, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Yes, we're all guilty of living for our self-interests and self-gratifications. Yes, but because of God's great love, even while we were spiritually dead, he made us alive with Christ. Yes, that's what Ephesians says. But what if, as Paul writes, it's by grace that you're saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, it's not by works lest anyone should boast. Yes, what if that's the gospel? But what if we are saved by grace for something more than just getting to heaven when we die? What if all of that was for the most important reason as Paul went on to write in Ephesians, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should walk in them. We are saved by grace so that we would walk in the grace and the goodness and the compassion and the love of God until we walk through the veil and get to the other side. It's not just about the other side that Jesus came. It's about this side of the veil that Jesus came, that we would be Christ's hands and feet. Ortberg points out that Jesus never said, believe the right things about me and I'll let you go to heaven after you die. For the good news is far more grand and cosmic and life-changing and more costly and more compelling and humbling than that, he writes. Salvation isn't about getting you into heaven. It's about getting heaven into you. It's not about relocation. It's about transformation, he writes. It's not about what God wants to do to you. It's about what God wants to do in you. It's about allowing Jesus' kingdom life to permeate our little lives one moment, one choice at a time. It isn't primarily a a matter of going to the good place. It's about becoming good people as Christ changes our lives. Two commands Jesus gave us, remember? Love God. Love God with all that you have. And what was the second one? Love others as you love yourself. Those are the two things that Jesus says. Love people in our lives the way we love ourselves. That is the way that Jesus's mission would be verified. It would be verified by the existence of a community of irrationally loving followers of Jesus, disciples. So, real faith, real faith brings real change in our lives. James drives that point home by referencing two iconic examples of faith from their scripture. He goes on and he says, You foolish people, must you be shown that faith does nothing? Faith that does nothing is worth nothing? Abraham, our ancestor, was made right with God by what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. So you see that Abraham's faith and the things he did work together. His faith was made perfect by what he did. This shows the full meaning of the scripture that says, Abraham believed God and God accepted Abraham's faith and that faith made him right with God. And Abraham was called God's friend. So you see that people are made right with God by what they do, not by faith only. Another example, he says, is Rahab the prostitute who was made right with God by something she did. She welcomed the spies into her home and helped them escape by a different route, road. And then he says, just as a person's body that does not have the spirit is dead, so faith that does nothing is dead. So, If Jesus came so that you would be fully alive and I would be fully alive, and if motion is the sign of life, as a sign of life, what are the signs that your faith is fully alive? Where is the evidence that your faith is in motion? What's the proof that your faith? is a genuine, authentic, living, moving, in motion faith because the sign of a spiritual life is faith in motion. Now, it's very quiet in here. What am I saying and what am I not saying? I am not saying you must earn your way to get to heaven. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Jesus earned the way for you to get to heaven by his sacrificial, his, his, his sinless life and his sacrificial death. I'm not saying that you have to earn your way to get to heaven. But what I am saying is being made right before God, which is a free gift that's impossible to attain by any amount of works that we do, but it gives us a faith that ends up working. It works to call us to live higher than we would live otherwise, to live for something bigger than ourselves when we were living in our self-centered, selfish ways. Salvation by grace changes one's perspective and realize that I am given a free gift of God, and now I need to do something with this gift that I have. Faith works. It works to bring joy and life, not just to you, to live for something bigger than yourself, but it actually works to bring joy and life to someone else who otherwise would not have that joy and life. Yes. Melinda Gates said, I read this poem that I loved at my high school graduation speech about what a successful life was to me. And she says, it's to know that one life has breathed easier because you lived. To me, she said, that's a success. St. Augustine put it this way, what does love look like? It has hands to help others, feet to hasten to the poor and needy, eyes to see misery and want, ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of mankind. That is what love looks like. So, one way that we're asking and inviting you to do that is to give sacrificially through Convoy of Hope. I, I say it very Often, and I'll say it again, we do not give to Convoy of Hope. We give through Convoy of Hope. They are the conduit of your love and your compassion. What if you were to to do something big in that offering next week? Something that really cost you something. That meant that, you know, I'm not going to be able to buy something I want because I'm giving something away to somebody else. That's what a sacrifice is. What if everyone here did the same? What if we could, through our little churches here in Oakmont and Tarentum, deliver Jesus' warm, nutritious meals and love to children who otherwise wouldn't have a meal? What if we could do that? Through Convoy of Hope, it takes an average of $10, only $10, because they get donations from corporate donations, corporate... um, organizations give them the food, what we do is basically deliver it. It takes an average of $10 a month to feed a child through Convoy of Hope's program. $10 can feed a child for a month. 120 could feed a child for a year. So think about that. If you gave $120, you could feed a child for a whole year. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. Did you know last year, Riverside gave over $52,000 in our one day to feed the world offering? That is fantastic. So in my calculations, that means we were able to feed 5,200 kids for a month or 433 kids for a whole year. That's pretty cool. So, what if we could do even better than that this year? What if we could surpass that this year? Folks, we get to do this. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to do that at all. But if you want to, you get to. I would love to see if all of us could do something big for the Lord. And I know this is a one time thing. This message today isn't just about an offering next week, it's about a lifestyle. It's about a lifestyle. Of living bigger than me, living for God by showing God's love to others. So, what about you? Are you alive? Pinch yourself. Pinch yourself. Are you in motion? Yes. Yeah. I see you're breathing. Well, maybe not. Some of you might not be. <laughs> I, might, I might have shocked you to death. But we'll do your funeral for you know I'll, I, if you die in the service. I'll do your funeral for free this week if I just killed you. <laughs> but if you're alive, let's get, let's be alive spiritually. Let's be alive spiritually. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our hands, Lord. James' message is very hard, it's very in our face. And I know that he's not saying that we are. Forgiven because we work and earn our forgiveness. That is a free gift. But he's saying, if we are forgiven, let's be forgiving. If we've been blessed, let's be a blessing. If God has given his goodness and grace and kindness to us, let's be gracious and kind and good to others. Let's love others in Jesus' name. Lord, may they see Jesus in us, not just because we have the right words. May people see Jesus in us because we have the right ways and live for you. And if there's anyone here today that wants to make that first step of following you, may they do that today and say, Jesus, I, I really believe this is true. I believe that's what Jesus was about. And I want to follow Jesus. May they take the first step today in saying yes to Jesus. And may you call us to live a full and abundant life. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.